This Shabbos is um, the 15th day of Av, uh, which in the Jewish calendar is a really very important day. It's called uh, Shabbos Nachman, which I'm sure most people are aware of. People go away for that, you know, because it's after the three weeks. Uh, you know, the uh, three weeks of, the three weeks of uh, mourning, uh, you know, from Shavos Thomas to Tishabov. So a lot of people obviously go away. Because uh, Tuba of, as it is known, the 15th day of Ov, is a very, very, uh, very happy day for the Jewish people. There are many things that happen on Tuba of, you see, uh, which were very good for the Jews and so on, you know. Um, in any case, so I wanted to talk about what I think is very important that people have to focus on. What exactly is the Nechoma? What is the consolation that we're supposed to have? You see, when you take a look at Jewish history, right? Thousands of years, the Jews have been in exile. And exile has gone from, uh, you know, uh, light to a total disaster, which I'll talk about, you know. Uh, it's gone from uh, being uh, uh, in a foreign country where the uh, Goyim, non-Jews, don't interfere with Jews, and then it gets worse, where they begin to interfere, and then they begin to have tremendous anti-Semitism, and then they begin to persecute the Jews, uh, you know, and it can get even much worse, where they begin to destroy their businesses, right? And they can begin to kill them. And we've seen the, all the levels of possibilities for the last 2,000 years. You know, fortunately we're in America, right? I say that until now anyway. But even in America, we, can, we are beginning to see the winds of change. You know, there's a tremendous amount of anti-Semitism, you know, uh, and the, not only that, the government is, has become very extreme left. And not only is it anti-Semitism, this country is turning into an anti-religious country. You know, there are forces of change to make this country anti-religious. So obviously it doesn't bode well for Jews in America, and the truth is it doesn't even bode well for many other religions also, you see. <clears throat> so that's, beef. that's after the destruction. Then you have, of course, the great destruction of the temple by the Romans. That happened 2,000 years ago, approximately. And then you had something which happened about whatever, four, four, five hundred years before that, which, of course, is the destruction of the first temple. So it's really been a very hard journey for the Jewish people, you see. So especially for the last 2,000 years, because we have never been in such a tremendous, long exile as we have been now. I mean, now you think about what's 2,000 years. It's hard to imagine 2,000 years have passed since the temple was destroyed. So the question is, you know, they say that you have to be Nachmo. Now, it says a Pasuk, uh, which we read, and that's why it's called Shabbos Nachmo, where the Haftar says, Nachmo, Nachmo, Ami. Be consoled, be consoled, Ami, my people. Right? Yom Elkeikah says, you're God. You know, so we have to understand what, what, 
How is God consoling the Jewish people really? What is the consolation? You see. And not only that, God uses a double expression. Nachmu, Nachmu. You know. Be consoled, be consoled by people. Now why would God say it twice? You see. So obviously, we have to ask ourselves, what exactly is the Nechomo? You see. That's a very important idea. What exactly it is. Now, I will tell you what the Nechomo is. Okay? And, um, and, and this is really what it really is. There are many nechomas. There are many consolations that a person can have. You know, any easing of suffering is a nechoma. Let's face it. You know, even a, a, a level of easement is a consolation. I want to call it a relief. You know, uh, something good that you hear. Of course that's true. You know. But in terms of Judaism, what is the real nechoma? of the Jewish people is the fact that the Mashiach is going to come is that a Nechomo? well I'm sure it is you know but he hasn't come for a long time you see and basically the Nechomo of the Mashiach isn't the real Nechomo sounds strange that I say that because what the Mashiach will do is end the exile he will end the journey or the darkness of misery that the Jewish people have gone for thousands of years. That's true. That's certainly a Nechoma. You know, if somebody's in prison for 20 years, which is very true, unfortunately, of people in Cuba, with Castro, your Machshimoy, would put a guy in prison for nothing, because he opposed them, he would be there for 20 years. Imagine being in prison for nothing, being totally innocent. Imagine 20 years of a person's life and believe me, prison in Cuba is not like prison in America, you know, and so on. It's obvious, you know. Um, it's, not, it's not anything that you could look forward to, you know, and so on. So imagine all of a sudden one day, the guy's in prison for 20 years, right? And all of a sudden somebody comes up, up to the prison, right? And he unlocks the door. He says, okay, you're free. And the guy can't believe it. He's free after 20 years. Now that's in the Homo. You know what I'm saying? Wow, that's incredible. Thank God it's over. You know, the years of darkness, the years of doing nothing, staring at the four walls, you know, is over. Now that's an incredible Nechomo. You would agree, right? Incredible consolation. Because he's out of prison, right? There's something else going on that doesn't offer this person any real consolation. What that is? 20 years have passed for nothing. Okay, it's true. That amount of prison, that's true. So thank God that misery stopped. 20 years of my life, the person says, just passed for nothing. Why did it pass? Why did I go in prison? You see? Very hard to live with that. That's an unbelievable... So he was, he's going to have what's called post-traumatic stress disorder. PSTD, right? 
And who knows how many years it's going to have to go with a psychiatrist to get rid of that. Because the, the traumatic experience has been astounding. So even though now he's no longer in prison, that's not the... You, you, you would never say that this is the real Nechoma, you know, that he just got out of prison. Well, he needs something else, really, to help him solve his problem. The fact that he was in prison for 20 years has to have meaning. It has to have meant something. And not only that, but the fact that he was in prison for 20 years, right, enabled him to be free. Then it would have meaning, you see. But without meaning, he can't get over this. You know, and there are people, obviously, who go through these experiences. They never get over it for the rest of their lives, you know. Why did I have to go through this? Especially when you think about the Holocaust. You know, okay, thank God the Holocaust is over in 1945. You know, assuming it was over. Then you had to go to a DP camp, displaced person camp, right? You could sit there for two or three years before they finally found a country that would, a country that would take you in. You know what I'm saying? So, and even when you finally got out of that DP camp, you know, okay, now you come to another country, let's say you go to uh, Israel, you go to uh, America, you don't forget the nightmare of the years of the Holocaust. Nobody forgets that. There are people who wake up 30 years later screaming in their, in, 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 uh, because of a nightmare. Yeah, we, we know, especially, you know, obviously as the years go on, more and more Holocaust survivors die, so... We don't have, we don't experience it, but if you, if, if you remember, you know, whatever, in the 50s. And their children and their Of course, yeah, and so on, you know. So, obviously, the experience uh, creates a scar, emotional scar, which they never get rid of, you see. Why can't they get rid of it? Because four, five, or six years, or however long the I was there, right, has absolutely no meaning you know that's the problem it has no meaning you see so therefore a nechoma has to be something greater than that it cannot be just a cessation of pain and sorrow and nightmare cessation it ended no there has to be meaning or value to what happens you see, that is a very important idea. This is the problem. Sure, you know, Tishbub is over, you know. Why did God destroy his temples? What's the meaning of the exile for 2,000 years? What's the meaning of the Holocaust, the pogroms, the persecutions, the Inquisition, right? Incredible what happened throughout, you know, then you have to talk about the expulsions from the countries. You know, we don't know what that is. We're lucky. You know, we live in America. We now live in the 21st century. So you don't have that crazy kind of thing unless you live in Iran or some of these crazy countries, you know, and so on. But um, we don't really know what that means. Could you imagine being in a town in Ukraine, you know, 1545, right? And you're in Ukraine, you live there, and all of a sudden you hear, Khmelnyky's coming. Bogdan Khmelnyky. 
Ukrainian ruthless where he killed over 300,000 Jews for no reason. You know, he was angry at the Polish warlords and he decided to rampage Poland. So he went to Poland, killing Jews left and right, you know, because he was an incredible anti-Semite, you know. So the question, like, what meaning does all this have? That's why there is no Nechoma, really. Not only that, there's nobody that can give you a Nechoma. Nobody can console you. You know why? Because nobody knows the answer. How they can console you? Nobody knows the answer. You see. And in fact, there's a Medrash where God says, and it's on this Nachmu Nachmu Ami, be consoled, be consoled by people. You know? It says in the Medrash that God said to the Ovas, I want you to go and console my people. Right? That the redemption will come, you know. So guess what? They went to try to console the Jewish people. And they failed. Why did they fail? Because consolation is not just that the misery will end. Why do we have to go through this? What's the meaning of this terrible onslaught of the Jews? So they failed. So then God turned to Shmuel Navi. And he turned to other incredible Navim. They all failed. So finally God said, okay, I'm the only one that can console them, right? And that's why it says, God says, Nachmu, Nachmu, Ami, be consoled, be consoled, my people, said your God. But they failed. They could not console the Jewish people. And we're obviously talking about the greatest figures in the history of the Jews. The question is, why did they fail? And why does God succeed? And he doesn't succeed because he can do whatever he wants. No. Because he, God knows what the real consolation is. What is the real consolation? And the answer is, not only will this nightmare cease, the exile, the butchery, the slaughter of the Jews in every country that they're in, you know, but I will tell you why you had to have it. He is the only one that can provide the meaning of what all this means. Very important. And he's obviously the only one. Nobody else can. So in the end, God will tell the Jewish people, I'm going to give you what's called a minute-by-minute play. You know? I remember 50 years ago, there was a TV show called This Is Your Life. I don't know if you remember that. Unless you don't want to admit your age, whatever. But anyway, uh, you know, it was an interesting kind of TV show, you know, uh, where they would bring this guy on, you know, whatever. And then all of a sudden, they'd be bringing out people from his past that he hadn't seen in 40 years. And it was a whole parade of people that this guy had not seen in 40 years. I mean, you can imagine what this guy was doing, going crazy. The friends and acquaintances, you know, and everybody, you know, maybe former wives, who knows what they brought out, right? Uh, that, would be, that would be unfortunate. But anyway... Um, uh, uh, and, and they brought this out. They were this, and I, 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 I remember the MC Ralph Edwards, if I, if my memory is serving correctly. You know, I don't even know why I remember this. But anyway, but what was interesting about that is right. This is your life. The guy was able to relive his past. 
Most of us never get a chance to do that. I mean, not that he relived it, but he was able to reacquaint himself with all his friends and people that he knew when he was growing up and so on, you know. And guess what? There's going to be this, this is your life when the Mashiach comes. It's going to, but it's not going to be with Ralph Edwards, that's for sure. And it's not going to be a TV show. It could be the greatest production ever known in man's history. Why? Because you're going to sit down and you are going to look at every second of your life why it happened. Now that only God can produce. Imagine that. Because what God wants to do is justify everything he did. And in the end, what are you going to say? You were right. Everything you did to me, even if I was, you know, at a, at, even if I was at a, uh, a what do you call it, uh, let's say, uh, a tobles, right? And it takes quarters. And I put my hand in my pocket. I, I came out with a nickel, right? Even then, you were right. That's how exacting it would be, you see. But there's something else that God will say. And this is the real look. Okay, so you're right. Okay, you're right. But I still was terrible, even if you're right. So at least it's one step better, you know. You know so the guy who gets out of prison without any justification why he was in there. In the first place, you know, why am I here in the first place? He never has any, he never can make peace with what happened, right? But at least in the Messianic era, right, God will be able to justify everything. You see? So this man say, you know what he's going to say? You're right. Everything you did was justice. I deserved it. I mean, I hate to admit it, but I was going to say, you are 100% right. Down to the quarter, down to the, the nickel I pulled out, down to the quarter, whatever, whatever aggravation that is. You see? Now, is that the Nechama? No. Although it's not bad. It's a guy can say whatever happened to me, in many ways I'm responsible. You know, it's not like because you want to do me in, as they say. I'm responsible. But is that the Nechama really? No. Much better. And here's an example. Imagine a guy, he's feeling very bad, he doesn't know why, he goes to a doctor, right? Doctor, listen to him, whatever, blood test, whatever, and he says, you know, I've got bad news for you. You have a bad case of cancer. Bad news. That's like everybody's a death sentence. Because, you know, he doesn't know. He doesn't know if he's going to live or die. And if he even is, who is what they're going to have to do? Take out the whole... I mean, it's a, it's a death sentence. You know? It's part of the English. Anyway. So the, the guy says, okay, you know, but uh, who can correct this? He says, okay, i got to send you to an oncologist. Those are the guys that treat cancer, right? And so, so he goes to an oncologist, right? And the guy does whatever, the MRIs, the x-rays, you know, everything that he needs to do. Has a meeting with the guy and he says, I want to tell you something. You have a very bad cancer and it's in a very bad place. Which means, basically, it's inoperable. Can't take it out. And there are those. You know, some cancers grow right by the, the, the brainstem. So if you cut that, you cut out the cancer, you cut the guy's brainstem. He's dead, you know. 
And there are, there are one for, or right in the middle of the brain. How do you get there? You know, and so on, you know? So the oncologist says, I'm really sorry to say this, you know? But you can't operate. It's inoperable. Which means that if we do operate, you're dead. So it's over. You know, so we'll give you uh, three months. Right? And the guy goes home, sits down, and he's, he's fit. You know, just, uh, he's devastated. Because it's over. There's not even a hope. Then all of a sudden, a day goes by, and the oncologist calls him. He says, I want to tell you something. You know, it is inoperable, but there's one surgeon somewhere, uh, you know, in uh, South Africa, who is the only surgeon in the world that takes on this type of cancer. And he's very good. You know? So the guy can't believe what he's hearing. You see? So the oncologist says, and it happens to be that this guy is going to be in America for two months because he wants to instruct others how to do that. So if you want, I can put you in during the time he's here. And what's the guy going to do? He's going to perk up and say, do it. What's the question? Do it because anyway it's finished. You know, so he meets with the, the guy from South Africa, you know, the surgeon, so on and so forth. And the guy says, you know, you have a very hard case, but I think I can do it. You know, and the guy's going to say, with the help of God, of course, I think I can do it, right? And, and the guy, he goes on surgery, and the guy is successful. He got rid of all the cancer. Astounding, Right? So this guy goes over to the surgeon, right? Doesn't say, you know, you're right that you cut out the, you cut out the tumor. You're right. That's not what he says. Thank you. He says, thank God you cut out the tumor. That, thank God that he was able to go under the surgery, the knife, right? And that there was a way out. You see? What do you mean? He went under the knife. Surgeon had to cut him up, whatever he did, right? That's not the way he looks at it. He thanks God that there was a surgeon that cut him up and therefore cured him. That's the difference, you see. That's the real Nehoma. Of course, it's unfortunate that he had to go, that he had the cancer and so on. But in the end, he had an unbelievable Nehoma, that there was a guy that could cure him, and it worked. God sits down with you in the messianic era, right? He's not going to just prove to you that what he did was just, and therefore it's really everything that happened to you, your fault, you caused it, your sins and everything, right? Much greater than that. God is a surgeon. He says, listen, you know, you did such and such a sin, and I bore all this punishment or whatever I did to you, as an atonement, you see? And if it wasn't for that atonement, guess what? You would not live in Oedem Habo. You'd never get it. Because with the amount of sins that you did, you cannot get the future world. It's over, you see? So God says, but I have a remedy. I'm the surgeon from South Africa. So what are you going to say to God? You were just... You're not going to say that. 
He said, there is no way I could thank you for saving me and allow me to be in the future world. You know, you can't, you can't give a thanks for that. Because the future world, Ulam Habo, is what? Is infinite bliss eternally. Go match that. Can't. Because it's not that you live for an endless time. You know, after a billion years have passed, it hasn't even begun. Because it's infinite. And while you're in that Ulam Habo, you are having infinite bliss. So you don't say to God, you know, you were right, that was wrong. No, 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 no. You say, how can I thank you for saving me? That's Nechoma. You see? That's the truth because what it does is it gives meaning to why he has to go through everything. And only God knows why. You see? Because nobody can judge a person that way. You see? So that's the double notion of Nachmu Nachmu. Be consoled. Be consoled, Jews. My people, Ami, right? Because it will end. The Gullahs will end. The anti-Semitism will end, right? And not only will it end, you will be the supreme nation of the entire planet where everybody's going to run to be next to you. Groupies, right? You know what groupies are? They're going to all run. Why? Because you're the only one that can bring down the divine presence. You see? And they want to get next to you so it can rub off on them. Right? Why do people love celebrities? You know? What do they get out of that? You're not a celebrity. You know, he, he's getting all the glory and the money. What are you getting, you know? Ah, oh, but maybe if I stand next to a guy, some of his mouth will rub off on me, you know? And it's also vicarious. Oh, you know, if I look at the guy, I can, I can make believe that I'm really the guy. Whatever the psychological forces <laughs> determine this, you know? But in this case, it's not vicarious. The Jews will be able to be the conduit for the divine presence. We don't even know what that means, right? So could you imagine every guy will want to touch the hem of your garment on modern days, you know, the, the, the hem of your jacket and, and so on. You know, the women will touch the women's dress and the men will touch the... The men's uh, jackets on. Why? Because if they can touch you, they can actually feel the divine presence. So the Jews will be the greatest nation on earth. Greater than any nation ever known. You see? And what it says in the Novi, that kings and queens will run to touch you. Kings and queens. You know, forget about the regular guys. And it says that every Jew, right, will have ten goyim as servants to serve him. Why? Because they're hoping to grab some of that divine presence. Because it's like drugs. It's not like drugs. It's infinitely greater than a drug. You see? Because the Neshama experiences it. <clears throat> and so on. So that's incredible. Neshama. You know, that you go from a zero to a hundred. Right? That's not the Neshama. The Neshama is what God says if it wasn't for the pogroms, right? If it wasn't for the, you know, the uh, uh, expulsions, inquisitions, exiles, holocaust, if it wasn't for this, you would not be here. You could not survive it. 
That's the nechama. So then you're okay. Like this guy with the surgeon. You know? What's he going to do? Scream at the surgeon and say, how dare you cut me up? What is he going to do? Is that what he's going to do? Or you were wrong in doing this? The guy's going to look at me. Are you crazy? I just saved your life. Gave you another 40 years to live. To enjoy your family and all that, right? That's the nechama. That's a very important concept. That the real nechama is, right, that not only what I did was just, God will say, but if I didn't do it, you'd be finished. You could not get the future world based on the conditions that I created or out, laid out in order to get the future world, which I had spoken about a couple of weeks ago, the whole concept of the of shame and so on. But these are the conditions. You don't follow it, it's over, you see? So that's an incredible nahumah that we know that no matter what we do, right, God is the doctor. That's very comforting. That not only what happens to us is prescribed exactly what we need. You see? But if we don't have it, we don't get anything. That is why God is always looking around for people to alleviate the sins of the Jews in some way. Because the problem is, and we don't know what that, why, because we cannot measure the effect of sin, right? The problem is that, you know, that the, the sins of the Jews over the thousands of years is so great, really, that they need an assist. They can't do it on themselves. With all the punishment God can give them, and that's a lot, they cannot survive on their own. And I once told you, in, in, in you previous know, year and so on, that in the beginning of time, Medrash, Yalkut, Incredible Yalkut, Shemoni, which is a Medrash, collection of Medrash, where God goes over to the Mashiach ben Yosef. In the Medrash, he's called Mashiach ben Ephraim. That's the same person. And he says, in the end of time, your people will be destroyed. Clear. He says that clearly, openly. Mashiach ben Yosef. And the Mashiach ben Yosef is dumbfounded. Now, what does that mean? That means all the Jews but there will be a significant number of Jews that don't make it. You know, a great deal of Jews will make it, but there's a nice, significant minority that won't make it. Now, whatever it is, 25%, 40%, it's bad news. So the Mashiach ben Yosef says, okay, but I know that you allow other people to atone for somebody else. So that's part of the process. So the Mashiach ben Yosef says, that he will accept the suffering for every person that can't make it on his own from the beginning of time for every Jew he will accept that suffering wow. it's astounding that's what he said and you know you know so God looks at him you know and that's what God needed because so, they can't make it on their own and we don't know why because we don't know what the measure is but God knows why see what he does is just, you see. So here's a person, the Sheikh bin Yosef, that not only is he a Messiah, but he actually says, I will atone, that he is going to assist in the atonement of every Jew that can't make it on his own. That's a lot of people, right? Wow. So he says, okay. God said, okay. So God takes, this is all in the Medrash, takes a yoke of iron. You ever see his water buffalo? But these yokes that these guys carry, you know, a yeah, water buffalo is a very strong animal. 
right? And he takes this yoke that you put on oxen, right? And he puts it on the neck of Mashiach ben Yosef. Huh. Interesting. And the yoke obviously represents all the sins of the Jews that can't make it or that cannot be atoned because no matter how many lifetimes God brings them back, it's not enough. You see? So he puts that on his, on his neck and the Mashiach ben Yosef bends down and he starts screaming. He says, I can't do this. I can't tolerate this. It must have been incredible. You know? The suffering that he would have to bear to atone. So God says, but you said you would do it. You promised in that sense, you know? And look, what's, look, to, look what is at stake. So, so God says, Mashiach and Yosef, but okay, I will go with you in exile. In other words, I will suffer. Not that God suffers, but God will do things which clearly could be frustrating to him. This is the grief. And I will go into the exile with them. And that's a profound Kabbalistic mystery where the Shekhinah is in Golas. The divine presence is in exile. What it means is that he allows the Sutton to take from the energy of the Shekhinah. That's a very powerful energy, right? And use it to destroy the Jews or to empower nations that they should destroy the Jews. You see? That's what it means that the Shekhinah is in exile. Why? So he will be together with the Mashiach. It's like two can bear it easier than one. You see? So then the Mashiach when Yosef says, okay, you know, I, uh, uh, now that you'll be with me, I will bear, if you can bear it, if the master can bear it, so I can also, the slave will also bear it. You see? And then Midrash goes on to say that what the Mashiach when Yosef did was unparalleled in Jewish history unparalleled because he accepted the suffering, the alleviation of every Jew that can't make it. You see? That's beyond belief. So the membership goes on to say that in the end of time when the Mashiach ben Yosef appears finally, right? Then, and this is talking about the Messianic year of Mashiach ben David, right? And after the case of Mason, resurrection of the dead, then Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, Moshe, They'll all go over to this person, Mashiach ben Yosef, and say, you are much greater than us. You see, because, you know, we were forerunners, we were models for the Jewish people, but you, you accepted unbelievable suffering for the Jewish people. You see. So what do we see? You see, it's not simple. You know, that there are actually people at the beginning that God said they can't get Edom Apo. And they're Jews. So you needed an assist by the Mashiach ben Yosef, you know, to do this. And he's not the only one. Throughout the generations, there are many tzaddikim that suffer. And they, they are sort of like assistants of assistants. You know? Which is not the same as Mashiach ben Yosef. But they sort of like ease the burden where they accept the suffering. And that's a possibility. You see? So this is what we see. So we're not looking here, get a Mahabha, What's the big deal? No. You know, that there are things that God has to do in order to ensure that every Jew will be an Ulam Habo. You see. And that's the Nechama. That no matter what happens, right, they will all be an Ulam Habo. That's a very important concept. You see. Therefore, 
what we now realize is this. This is the most important idea you will hear. God made an agreement with the Jewish people. That's called the Torah. You do my commandments, right? And I will give you the future world. Correct? That's a contract. It's a legal contract. You know? It is so legal that God will enforce it. It's interesting. You know? So we're not talking here about the Supreme Court that breaks their rules, you see, and, and defies their own mission and so on. This is God talking. And the Jews entered the contract. They said, Nasa Venishma. We entered it. You know, they said, Nasa, we will do Venishma and we will hear. First we'll do, even though we don't understand, and then we'll labor to understand. So the, the Jews sort of signed on the dotted line, right? And God signed in his dotted line. You see? It's a contract. And God is, it's called the bris, the covenant, the agreement. And God is always reminding the Jews of the covenant, you see. The amazing thing is this. This is probably the greatest Nehoma you can imagine, besides what I just said before. But this is incredible. If you enter a contract, right, where you say to a guy, you know, let's get into a contract, right? I want to uh, buy your house, Right? You name a price? And he says, okay, we'll enter a contract that we both agree that you will, I will sell my house to you and you will buy my house from me. It takes mutual, correct? Okay. What happens? You know, say, okay, you, got it, you know, everything's got to be uh, given over. You know, we got the, uh, one month, you have to pay me, right? After a month goes by, right, the buyer doesn't show up with any cash. It doesn't come with any money. So the seller, you know, all in the lawyer's office, right? And the buyer doesn't come up with any money. So the seller says, excuse me, you know, I'll give you my house. So the buyer says, why not? Why not? We made it. We got a contract, you know? So the, uh, that's the, that, that's the, uh, the buyer. Huh? The seller says, what, are you crazy? You just breached your contract. If you don't keep your end of the deal, guess what? I don't keep my end of the deal. I'm not going to give you my house for free. You see what I'm saying? Of course, everybody understands that. You know, you broke your side of the agreement, the bilateral agreement. You broke it. It's over. Ask yourself. God made an agreement with the Jewish people, right? What did the Jewish people do? They break it all the time, right? They sin. Why else would God destroy his temple? Why would he destroy it twice? Why will he exile? You see? That's a toichachot. In Pasha's Ekev, right? Or Bechkosai, right? And Kisavoy, there's a whole toichachot. There's an entire section where God says, if you do not observe my commandments, this is what I'm going to do to you. And there's a whole bunch of curses, terrible curses, that will happen that God says, this is what I'm going to do if you don't observe my commandments. Because we made an agreement. Right? That's really what the Torah is. We breach the agreement and God says, this is what I'm going to do. And God can do it, obviously. You can't stop him. 
You can do it because you breached the contract. You see? What's the incredible thing about all that? It's amazing. Why didn't God walk away from the agreement? He should have said, hey, you don't do what I asked you to do. I'm not going to do what I said I would do. I'm not giving you Edom Habba. You're no longer my chosen people, right? You breach a contract every day, every year. And that's why you people are in Golis for 2,000 years. Now, there's a reason for all this, because you're always breaching the contract. What's astounding is, how come God doesn't walk away? And if he did, it's over. Why do you think the Jews exist today after 4,000 years? Because God never walked away. The original agreement still stands. You need to observe the contract. And even though you're breaching it all the time, right, I'm not going to walk away. It's incredible. It's unheard of in legal legal uh, framework that God does this. You see, any lawyer's office, that would be the end of the contract, right? But God doesn't do that, you see. You can't believe what that means. Because as long as God says, I'm going to remain with the contract, except I'm going to exact payment in a way you don't like, whatever, which is a, we'll talk about, right? I am going to uh, remain with the contract. Where did the Bashim say that? He said that in Bashu Kulisai. He gives a whole list of terrible things. You know, one person, you know, is going to chase a thousand of you. That's how frightened you'll be. There's no people chasing you and you're going to still run away. You get this sickness and that sickness. You will die and this and that. A mother will eat her children for food. I don't want to even go through all this stuff. It's in, it's in the Torah, right? We can't believe, you know, what it says there, right? Why didn't God say, hey, I'm out of here? He didn't say that. But he does say this at the end of all the curses that make your hair stand up. You see? He says, and even though they are in a foreign land and so on, right? I will them. I will not despise them. And I will not reject them. To do what? What does rejection mean? The cancel my agreement. I won't do it. He said that openly. Because that's the obvious question. What are you still around for? So he answered the question. That is a no... Uh, uh, that cannot be. I will not uh, abrogate the, the contract. I will be Ani Hashem. I am God. Right? I will always be a case of your God. I will always be that, no matter what you do. You see? Unconditional love. Correct. It's an unbelievable, which doesn't exist. You don't give a guy, you know, okay, here's my house, even though you're not paying me a dime. Nobody does that. Or any kind of contract. You don't deliver, the other side doesn't deliver. You see? But the Bunchen doesn't say that. So what do we realize? That's one of the greatest Nahomas ever known where a being will violate or doesn't care about the violation of a contract. He will never leave the Jewish people. He will ask for different conditions. Yes. That's what the Torah is. The Torah is really an alternative payment. But that's an unbelievable chesed. He doesn't have to do that. He made an agreement. Right? You do A and I will do B. You see? But he doesn't say that. 
says, even if you don't do A, all the mitzvahs and so on, I will still have the contract, and therefore I will take payment in a different form. You see? What does that mean for us? That means that God will never abandon the Jewish people. Never. That means this. No matter what you do, and I do not encourage it, what you do, no matter what you do, you will always subject to the agreement. That means that every Jew, whether by hook or crook, which means by doing mitzvahs, or by getting the toichah, the, all the punishments and so on, will be an oyim hava. That's what it means. Astounding. In other words, the end game, we win, no matter what. So you're saying even the, the good people are going to go to Olam Haba right away, but the, the people that need to work on it, there's going to be consequences in the beginning, and then they're going to reach Olam Haba, or everyone at the same time are going to reach? No, no. Each one goes in a... Like level. The, level, yeah, like the Zoya, the Zoya that says... So it's the same thing like when the government, like when a person says his way. There's different levels of where they... Of course. Got. But more than that, resurrection of the dead. So the Zoya says, which happens when Meshach and David. Mm-hmm. But the question is, when Meshach and David comes, is everybody going to rise? No. It says, Tchirsamesim, resurrection of the dead, will take place over 210 years. There are guys who wake up in the beginning, I wake up, arise in the beginning, and then there are guys who are going to rise 80 years after Meshach and David. Then there are guys who are going to rise 200 years after the Sheikh David. You see? Yeah, it doesn't... Uh, no, no way. You know? So nobody knows, you know, and it all depends on what sins, how much did they breach of the agreement. That's the incredible thing. What is guaranteed is everybody will wake up in Chesamesim, eventually. You know? But they don't wake up at the same time. You see? So the Nehama is this. I mean, it's something we need to think about. That the contract was never nullified. Never. And that is the reason why no matter what the Jews do, they must exist. They will always exist. They will never disappear. Why? Because God insists that he will not break the contract. If he did, we'd be gone. That would be the end of the Jewish people. Why? Because the natural forces of history has destroyed every nation of antiquity. Think about that. There are no Babylonians anymore. Right? There's no, there's no original Greeks or Romans, Syrians or Syrians. Right? They're all gone. Egyptians, they're all gone. The originals, why? Because they never had an agreement with God, who can be always the only being that can ensure that they exist. Without that agreement, we're subject to the rules of history. Means we're here one day, and we're gone the next. You know, for whatever purpose God needs a nation, we're gone the next. That's why the Jews are eternal. You know, it's funny, Mark Twain recognized that. It's a famous statement where he said, he said, the Jews are one of the greatest mysteries of all, you know, because nothing seems to affect them. They never disappear. And he says that, you know, if you, want to, if you want to discover about, about you know, ancient Greece, you've got to dig down six feet or maybe a hundred feet to look for the civilization. You see? The Jew is still around. And Mark Twain said he, he is thriving just like he did 
thousand years ago, two thousand years ago. You know, maybe he's a little bent over and all that, but he's basically thriving. Why? Because God will not walk away from the agreement. Don't think it's because of Jewish ingenuity or mazel or whatever, because the Jews have great heads or whatever. No, because he says, ma'astim, I will not despise them. Ultim, and I will not reject them. To abrogate, to annul my covenant. Won't do it. That, to me, if you think about it, is the greatest nechoma ever known. Because that's what guarantees us infinite bliss eternally. Without that, we would have disappeared a long time ago. Believe me. There would be no tea on New Jersey. Right? No Lakewood. No Brooklyn. No Israel. Nothing. It would be gone. We would have gone the ways of the Romans, the Greeks, the Babylonians, the Assyrians, all those guys. So to me, that's an unbelievable thing that he could have done that. Anybody would have done that. I mean, who, who, who is part of an agreement, right, where the other side doesn't keep us the end of the bargain? Nobody does that. What God did do, you see, so the first great Nechama, so the first great Nechama is that God said, I will not abrogate, nullify the agreement. Incredible. The second agreement, the second aspect of what God did, the Choma, is therefore he chose an alternative system to do the Tikkun. Because without that, hey, you know, you're still not paying. You know, you got to do something, so I'm going to create an alternative system to bring the Gula. And that's only because he's not going to abrogate his the covenant, the agreement. So he's got to do something, and he's still got to deserve it, because what I said, Namdik Sufa, but of shame. But I'm going to give you an alternate path. These things are beyond belief. What can be greater than Choma? That you know that no matter what you do, not that I'm suggesting that you just do anything you want, but no matter what you do, in the end, God will refuse for you not to be in the Oyelim You tell me that. Refuses. And therefore God says, Ani Hashem, I am God. I can deliver exactly what I say. I'm God. So for anything I say, say, you can go to the bank. It's greater security than a CD. You know, or the Federal Reserve. Much greater, you know. So, so you know, I, I've told you, you know, different homers where, you know, where God will sit down with you and say you're free. No. He will say what I did was justified. And he will show you, No. He will say that whatever I did for you is the prescription you needed to even survive. You see, that's the surgeon, right? But even that, you think about it. Although it's a tremendous nechoma. But the real nechoma is, consolation, that God is an unusual uh, uh, contract person. He just refuses to give up and throw it away and say, you know, you guys are not following what I say. I'm going to pick somebody else. Which he could have done, by the way. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure he would have found somebody. I doubt it. You know, I doubt if what he found is that he can come close to what the, the loyalty of the Jew is. He 
Because the loyalty of the Jew is beyond belief. I mean, people gave their lives, you know, when they were threatened, you know, Christianity or whatever. Uh, and they, did, they refused to, uh, you know, to bend to the, uh, <clears throat> the uh, what do you call it, the threats of the nations and so on. But this is in a homo, I don't think that people realize, you know. And therefore, the homo is that no matter where you are, what you do, how bad you are, you will be in the future world. However, there are conditions, you know, and you're not going to like the conditions. That's what the Torah is. That's the rebuke. Those two pashas, that's what they are. You see? Those are the alternatives. But he's going to stick to the bargain. You see? And that's a very important idea. I believe that really is the Nechomo. So I have a question. Sure. Um, so remember how in Mitzrayim uh, there were 14 million in the beginning, 11 million died in Makat Bechorok, and there's only three months. Makat Choshech? Yeah, Choshech, sorry. Choshech. Okay. And um, the only three million went out. So they said, so now well, we're only we're, having... We get 14 million. Didn't you say that one? And there were a lot of people. I, I don't think I said that, but okay. Okay. Anyway, so now we say now this uh, nowadays the same thing's going to happen. Most mm-hmm. Jews aren't going to be around. Um, so is, do they get the Olamaba, or you're only specifically? Who's cho- they? Okay. Let's say now. Those Jews that died in the darkness. In the darkness. Akari Kedeshi is going to happen again. Everybody gets Olamaba. Everyone. Every. That's what Ben Yosef said. I'll take it on. Everybody, including, because remember, he's at the beginning of time. Right. So he means everybody from here on in. In fact, he says, the way he really says it, the message is that I will take on me the suffering, is what he says, for every Jew that lives in my time, before my time, wow. all the way to the beginning of time, whoever is a Benoidim Habal, who is in the contract, I will take it on. Even if they intermarried and doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. God has a solution for everybody. We may not like, like the surgeon. The guy doesn't like the surgeon. I mean, you know, he doesn't want to be under the knife while this guy's operating on his brainstem, right? But that's why he survives. Yeah, you know, so that's the same idea. The Torah is the medicine. Bad news. But at least the person will be in Oedem Habo. You know where you really see this? I'll give you this example. It says in the Medrash that Esau is a pretty bad character. That Esau is in Galadin and he sneaks up to a higher level. You know? Now, how, how do you sneak up to a higher level in Galadin? Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't say. We don't know. But the real question is, what's he doing in Galadin? Huh? What do you mean? How'd you get in there? Galadin is for, you know, real, you know, real just. You know, not just Sadiqim, but, you know, righteous people, people who, you know, whoever, right? How did he get it? No. No, there's no alternative. You either get Ghanadin or you get annihilation. There's no in-between. Oh, I thought like that. Let's say they got, um, got a bit. Yeah. Can't they work on, can they get suffering, whatever? And then they have to No. 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 They have to stay there. They, no, they don't stay there. They, what they do is they take a guy like uh, 
hit the We cannot even begin to imagine what God's going to do to him. We don't know. I mean, only God can figure out what to do to this man. You know? So what he's going to, what's going to happen to him, he's going to be in Gehenna, and he's going to get the full wrath of Gehenna, whatever that is. We have no idea. And then after he finished, because nothing is infinite, that's why what the, what the uh, Christianity says, you burn in hell for less infinity, it's nonsense. There's nothing that's worth infinity. You know, nothing, you know. But he's going to get, he's going to be there, you know, we don't know how long, but even Gehenna is over when Ulam Habba starts. So obviously, it's intensified, and the problem with him is he can't die. So it's not like he can die and get himself out of it, you know. He, you know, whoever he is, is not subject to death. And therefore, the, they turn on the heat, whatever that is, not really wow. heat, whatever it is, and then after he's finished, right, he's annihilated. He dis- disappears. Returns. Is that Karas? No, not Karas, because Karas is, uh, is a punishment in this world. And now Ibud, it's called Ibud. He's gone. No, of course, no. No. Because there's a certain threshold that you have to pass. So the, when the, you pass away, it's easier wait, 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 you wait, enter wait. right away? The thing is, there's a threshold to get out of the But what God does with the Jews is he makes sure you pass the threshold. Oh. That's what he does. Or else so how can you get in? He comes back as a severe... Oh, yeah, he uh, come back. Of course. Yeah, of course. Or he gets scared. And we, we don't know. I mean, there's a lot of, you know... But there's annihilation. All of these people that hated the Jews, that destroyed Jews, that are responsible for untold uh, horror, they are annihilated. But they're not annihilated first. They have to undo the sin first, the damage. That's Gehenna. Yeah. Or they come back, which is, it could be a series of punishments. They can come back with an incredibly severely uh, deformed human. And I mean severely deformed. I mean, there are people you see sometimes which you can't even believe that they're human. You know, if you were, I don't work with these people, but, you know, really are, you know. They have the IQ of an eight-year-old and they're 48. We, we, we don't even begin to imagine what God can do to a person, you know. So whatever their punishment is, they get it. And then they're annihilated. See? So I, was, I asked the question about Esau. How did Esau do it? And the answer is because Esau really was Jewish. Think about that. His father was, right? Yeah. Yitzchak, mother was Rivka. So even Esau, God was able to get into him to come in. Wow. That's the guarantee. You see? Wow. So maybe part of his punishment was that his head went into Kedrahat's That was not a punishment. That's not that a punishment. Was dead. But what was, it's symbolic that the head of Esau was good. Totally. Just the body was terrible. No. You see, so that that where we see that people that people are you know uh, that God in some way gets, and even though there's a Gemara that says a mission and so on, these are the people that do not get Olim Habo. Somebody talks Lashonara all the time. What's the name of Right? Somebody is a constant speaker of Lashonara. He doesn't get Olim Habo. Yes, there are many other, there are others, you know. So what does God do with those guys? 
And the answer is, you're right. They don't get Oyedem Habo according to the judgment. But because God never let go of the contract, he'll get him to the threshold with terrible suffering. That's what that means. He's got his ways. I didn't get you over the line. See? So that terrible suffering, that's going to be um, during the time of Pechiyat HaMetim? Like... Let's say, then? No. Yeah, like let's say now that the person spoke terrible Lashon Hara or their life, but now Mashiach came. So now, how does he get the Olam Haba if Mashiach is already here? Well, uh, he can't reincarnate. So do you know? What well, he, I mean, but uh, he won't get Chesamisim. He first has to die. Don't no, we all die? We all die, and we, then we get up based on the merits. Right. This guy dies, and he stays put. Oh. Yeah, he stays put for 150 years. And in those 150 years, suffering. he's suffering. Uh, and then he gets up. So the Tehiyat team is technically like a, a process of um, purification. Yes. Well, it, it's really, it's, a, uh, it's, a, it's the end of your trials and tribulations. When you can get up, it's over. You've expiated completely. You're completely free of any sin or taint of sin. Wow. You get up, Rab, yeah. Rabbi. Is 150 years the ta- is the time frame going to be the same as it is now? Like, or is it like the this, way it was olden times? Amy Sisterina. Oh yeah. Oh, uh, what are you saying? What do you? What was the question? How do? How will time? How will we measure time? Will it be the same? time frame as we're living now or will it be like the same time frame of Adam Harishan? Well, until the end of Messianic year, it'll be the same time frame. You know? No, so what he said the, like 150 years and then after they'll wake up, but that's already Messianic time. So I'm saying after, once we get to that Messianic time, what's the, how do we measure time? It'll be the same thing, with, you know, by every year. You know what I mean? Okay. A year will be a regular year. Twelve months. You know what I mean? Yeah. So Mashiach Ben Yosef is the one who atones, but do other people throughout history help atone for? Yes. Others? Yes. Like Mabram. Yeah, there are, there, are, there are Jews who are very righteous, and the Gemara talks about many people. They're called the Sovle Chindoim, those who bear the suffering uh, for, people, for people who bear the suffering of Jews. Yeah. But Meshach Ben Yosef is the greatest one, the one who suffers because and he did, he accepted it. You know? There's a Gemara that talks about Rabbi Yechman, one of the great sages, you know? And he went to visit Rabbi Eloza, if I remember correctly, in Brochus. And Rabbi Eloza was suffering, you see. So Rabbi Yochan said to him, you want these sufferings? So Rabbi Eloza said, I don't want them, you know, and I don't want the reward that comes from having them. So Rabbi Yochan said, okay. And he cured him, however he did that. That's what they wanted to do. Now, what is that Rabbi Yechon saying? What do you mean, do you want them or not? If they're coming because of sin, you don't have a choice. And he can say he did. Because he was part of the Sergei Chagoyim. He was part of... That suffering was to help atone for the sins of other Jews. 
So that's why the only time you can get that is if you have to willingly accept it. So that's why he asked him, do you want that? No. I don't want them. I want their reward. What reward? He should have said, I don't want them and I don't want their atonement. No. Because a person who accepts, which is also very interesting, a person who suffers for the Jewish people, his reward is incredibly magnified. In fact, there are people, which is interesting, I'll tell you this, there are people who died now, COVID, who should not have died. What God did, however, is he, he knows what will be. He says, you know, if I keep you alive, you're going you're to earn throughout your lifetime because he knows. Let's say 10 pots of gold. Give me an example, right? But if I take you because I need people to atone for the Jewish people, your death will tremendously help, and therefore your pot won't be 10 pots, it'll be 1,000 pots. What do you think the guy would say? Take me, right? Sure, I mean, I, you know, even though the guy's dying, he's dead, right? So there are many people who died as, as, as the process of, because when a tzaddik dies, is an atonement for the Jewish people. They died to help alleviate whatever this COVID is doing for the Jewish people. Because God saw that whatever they're going to do in their life won't prepare for what I'm going to give them because they died for the sake of the Jews. There are so many cheshbonis, not cheshbonis, there are so many accountings and reckonings that we have no idea. That's why you don't know what happens and why. You could see somebody who's a righteous guy and he's suffering. Or the guy's poor. And you know he's a real righteous person. You know what I'm saying? That's why everything is topsy-turvy today. See? Because these guys may be suffering for the Jewish people. So their reward will be... So their reward will be absolutely incredible. You see? So we don't really know what's going on with who and what, you see. But in the end, nobody loses. Nobody. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Yes. Is this, by the way, is this on? Yes. Oh, okay. Oh, because she came in. Okay, good, yeah. What you say? When, how do we know when the Shekinah leaves the exile? Leaves what? The exile. It doesn't leave. Well, what happens is Mashiach bin Yosef leaves the exile. He leaves his prison. As I told you, especially Mashiach bin Yosef, he is now suffering terribly because of the bargain that he made with God 6,000 years ago, almost, right? 5,781 years ago. So when he leaves, that's called the Pekida. But the interesting thing about it is that when he leaves, right, so in order for him to get the, what's called the Yashida, God has to leave also the Kripa. But what is interesting is God leaves but does not reveal himself. In other words, he's in this quasi-state. He leaves, but he can't reveal himself. When he can reveal himself, that's the redemption. That's the David. When he is exposed, he says, okay, here I am. And now we can all experience the Shrima. You see the way it works? What kind of suffering does the Mashiach and Yosef go through? Like, we're talking physical suffering, we're talking emotional suffering, suffering. what kind of suffering does he suffer? 
I, I would imagine that it's physical or rather it's emotional, you know. But the, the suffering that he has to go through is basically the, the, a, a fundamental type of suffering reserved for very great people. What that is? It's not physical. It is an inability to become spiritual. You know? Like we were speaking about the Drakers. Mm-hmm. It's an inability to access God. Wow. See? And for a person who has this enormous spiritual potential and he cannot access God or he can't access spirituality, that's his prison. He has this incredible, you know, if you want to understand that, imagine somebody like the uh, Villagoyen was an unbelievable person, right? And imagine if the Villagoyen has OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he can't, he can't burn or whatever. He's, he's got these incredible anxiety attacks. So he, you know, what can he do? It's very hard for him to learn because he's always anxiety-ridden. He has a tremendous turmoil. He's depressed. You name it. You know? What do you think of Vilnius Goyen? And he's still the Vilnius Goyen in terms of his potential, not his actual. What do you think he would feel? It's probably a basket case. Sounds interesting. Yeah. That's the mis- that is the assurance of Mashiach and Yosef. See? where he is like a Vilna Goyen in potential. And he cannot actualize being a Vilna Goyen. Can you imagine the suffering that this individual has to feel? Interesting. So it's a, it's a very rare, very unusual type of suffering that he's denied spirituality. That's what kills these people. But they have to have a glimpse of it. They do. That's why he feels such pain. If they didn't, they they care. Exactly. No. He has to be. Uh, he has to have enough spirituality to know what he's missing, mm-hmm. and to realize how incredible it is. And God will not let him have maybe a little minuscule of this. Now, could you imagine what this guy is uh, doing, or what he's thinking, the grief that he has? You know? And to boot, he doesn't even know he's Mashiach and Yosef. Not, I mean, he doesn't know in the beginning. So he, he can't figure out what's going on. It has no meaning. It makes no sense. You see? So he doesn't know who he is. He doesn't know why he's doing, why he's suffering. He has no idea what in the world is going on. You see? But the bottom line is that it's a tremendous amount of pain. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I give you an example of, 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 uh, of the Vilna Gun. But the truth is, uh, you know, um, people struggle to fulfill their potential. But the potential of this person is awesome. And he knows it. So he's got a, a glimpse of that. So he can't do it. However, God can block him. There's many ways God can block anybody. All kinds of psychiatric disorders, physical disorders. You know what I'm saying? Whatever it is, he's blocked. So that's the suffering of the Mashiach Kumitsu. The unique suffering. It's called Mirdor. 
the blockage or the diminishment of light, of ruchness. That's his suffering. And that is a kapara for the Jewish people. Do you think people that want like autism and um, ADHD and all that, do you think that's their suffering? Yes, also this. Huh? Yeah. It's part of the... Uh, you want to really know what's said, just take a look at the Pecha. What? Pecha, the rebuke at the end of Bechah Kosai. Just see what God says, you know? That's mild compared to what's in the Chumash, what, what, what it's going to look like. It's incredibly severe. Just look at the Chumash. I don't make this up. It's all there. The Chukai say, take a look at that. And it's also in Kisavoy, which is in Dvorah. Just those two, those are the famous places where people try not to get the Aliyah. You know? I want the Aliyah. This is God talking. You know? And that, so that's what he had to do to create an alternative because he does not want to give up the contract. So, is it good or bad? Right? No, it's not like the guy thanked the surgeon. I mean, it was not good, you know. But without that guy, it's over, it's over he's dead. So, you ask yourself, that's your quandary or conundrum, as they say. When you go to bed at night, ask yourself, is that in a homo or not? with the surgeon. And that's the exact situation for the Jewish people. God is the surgeon. As he says, I am God your healer. Says that, right? And by the triumph. I won't bring any of the diseases that brought on Egypt. I won't bring them on you. Why? Because I am God your healer. Well, that's it. That's it, you know. That's it, you know? And so on, you know? So you ask yourself, but like I say, in the end, the main thing is to get the Ilam Habor. It's true, it could be a difficult trek, as they say. But let me tell you something. The first 30 seconds in Ilam Habor, you're not going to remember anything about this world. It's over. Don't think you're going to say, wow, you know, oh, it was incredible, I lived in deal. It was just great and all that that's over with. You know, they, they, the Oilam Habba is so overwhelmingly good. You're not going to think of anything else. Oh, I had this great vacation in Paris, you know, and I went to kids. Are you going to think, oh, I should have done more? Yes. Who will think that? Oh, I didn't know it was so good. If I wouldn't have known that. Oh, I wasted all that time. You know, going to parties. You know what people do. Watching shows. What well, I could have earned. Oh, yeah. But that also will disappear. Because how could you have that eternally? You go out of your mind. That will be an eternal depression. So I have a question. Let's say someone who that did watch TV, but in their lifetime, stop. That's true. But did, did, for the years that you did, do you still feel remorse when you're in Olam Haba? Well, it depends. If you do tshuva because of fear, so the sin is erased. But you can't bring back what you could have done. Right? But if you do tshuva me'avo, because you love God, right? Mm-hmm. Then all those avaras will be turned into mitzvahs. Isn't that interesting? Beautiful. 
Nasa's chuyas. That's a Gemara says that. It will become merits. Well, now I'm not suggesting, therefore, that we sin all day long so we can turn them into, so we can have a cake and eat it too. Okay. So when you take them um, to do something, you know, learn more, hold up, go to more, sure. Yeah. Are you only, is that only on your plate, or can you, like, say that it's also to help do the you can have that intent. You can have that intent, yes. But whether it will work as effective as if God had assigned you that, that's questionable, you know. You could certainly have that intent, you know. And besides, anyway, any mitzvah you do helps the Jewish people. Why? Because the Jewish people are one body. And if your arm feels great, guess what? Your other arm will feel so great. See, well, all the Jews are just different, uh, you know, appendages to the body. 